You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. A happy day 99 and 100. 100! We've made it 100 days into 2018. 100 days of the Bible. Man, we are on episode 50. This is a big... It's kind of a, a milestone for us. We're doing it. We're doing it, Peter. You know, I was thinking, like, it's not really that easy to do. <laughs> like, it requires... We're in, we're in it so far that I was like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this the whole year. But then I thought, you know what? Little by little, step by step, we'll just do it. And I enjoy it. It's, I want to be the kind of person who does the things I enjoy and be free enough to say, I can do that. I did this last year, and but the podcast takes a little extra effort. Yeah. But we can do it. We can do it. And I'm glad we're doing it because it is pushing It is pushing me, anyway, to uh, dig a little deeper into these amazing words of God. And um, so anyway, happy, happy 100. Yeah, thank you. So what do we got today? We got the, uh, in some sweet chapters. I feel like Deuteronomy is like just a ripe, a ripe cantaloupe. And we are getting the sweetest cantaloupe. Like these chapters, like 6 through 14, are just really sweet. Yeah. But they might take us uh, talking about it to uh, help you understand how they're so sweet. So what are we looking at today exactly? Today's reading is Deuteronomy chapter 11 through chapter 14. Mm. Perf. That's short for perfect. LOL. (laughs) That's short for laugh out loud. Okay. LMB. Okay. Let's just laugh in my brain. Uh. I just made that up. It's going to take off. Just watch. LMB. Chapter 11. <laughs> Serve the Lord, man. So I was just thinking, too, how uh, Moses got a, the tablets, the word of God, were rewritten on the tablets because of the sin of the golden calf. And mm-hmm. I was thinking how God rewrites his word on our hearts through faith, through repentance and oh, faith. Yeah, true. And we get a new heart and we get a circumcised heart where he rewrites because we've screwed up the first giving of the... Uh, we were unable to even pretend or listen to the words of God. And so we got a new heart, a new tablet. And as a father disciplines his children, I think he even talks about that, like this is what fathers do with your kids. You are born into the family. Mm-hmm. So you're already part of this. God loves you. And, and Moses is saying this so much, but it's so good to hear. It's why when I, when I say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And the thing that pops in my mind is, Adam, I love you. Right. And I used to think, look, I'm just thinking that. But the more I read the Bible, the more I realize, oh, no, that's true. Mm-hmm. All the laws and the commands are to ensure our time together and are, are to um, give me joy and give me purpose and minister to the world that doesn't know him yet. And so here's how we do this. You worship, you remember, you think. Um, but a lot of it doesn't have to do with are you in the family or not. And so I just take a lot of uh, assurance from being baptized, being born into the family, and then this faith that he has worked in me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, he really does love us. But when you love your kids and you love people, you have to be honest with them right. and say, hey, here's how we do it. And, in, and if you do it the other way, it's offensive and we cannot be together until you do it right. And so um, Moses keeps saying this, like you are the children of God. He has a land for you that's better 
than Egypt. It doesn't need irrigation off yeah, of the Nile. I love that. It's going to just be fed by God. It's going to raise... I mean, he says, look, look to Egypt. Remember what we did there. Look to the Red Sea. Remember how those the most powerful nation on earth, their soldiers were washed up and destroyed. Remember the wilderness provision. Remember the uh, Korah's rebellion. Yeah, and... Root, the tribe of Reuben, Reuben the leaders yeah. of Reuben that just got swallowed up Remember by the earth. Remember how the earth swallowed up when you decided to worship God a different mm-hmm. way? And uh, and then know that I've been, God says, I, I've cared for this land. Mm-hmm. I've been preparing it. Like it's a gift that he's been working on for you. Yes. He says his eyes have been on it yeah. for uh, from all year round. He watches this land. You know, like when you love something and you're like, well, I just put up a new bird feeder. Mm-hmm. We got a bird feeder. First time in my life. Yeah, we got a little bird feeder because we want to see the birds in our yard. And we, Val and I are watching it all the time. We're like, are there any birds on it? There's been some crows. We don't like that. We want the pretty <laughs> birds. And so we've seen some, but I'm always watching it. And it's that idea that God's always looking at this land going, oh, I love this land. Oh, I want to make mm-hmm. sure it's all good for them. Yeah, and so he's been watering it with the rain. And he's like, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to allow you to gather grain and wine and oil and give you grass in the fields for your livestock and and you're going to be able to eat and be full and but he does give like a warning yeah. here. Oh yeah. And this is an interesting one cuz this is like a direct there's a direct cause between their behavior and how the land is treated. Yes. And so he says um, take care lest your heart be deceived and turn aside and serve other and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. The land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good that the land of the Lord that God was giving you. Uh, what, you know what I thought of when I read that? Mm-hmm. You do. I think so. What, what did I think of? Elijah. That's right. Thank you. Elijah comes later because mm-hmm. the land, it's been a huge drought. Yes. Because King Ahab has done this very thing. His heart has been deceived, and the land is responding to his idolatry. His, his rebellion his, against his re- God. Yeah. So the land, this is the thing that happens. This is what happened in the garden is man rebels against God and then the land rebels against man. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's it a, trickles down all the time. And we'll watch that because, um, watch that connection as we go because it's, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And then this is where I realized too, there's the second time Moses has commanded or God is saying, look, Store up these words. Mm-hmm. Put them on your hands, on your hearts, on your doorposts. Teach them to your kids. Like he's trying to help us. How God is trying to help us. However, we can do one thing: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If your job is look, this is your job. What mm-hmm, does a job do? Mm-hmm. It provides for you, right? Money. It provides. Do your job. Well, your one job as my treasured possession is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. How do you do that? It's a big task. Well, let me help you. Write these things down, read them to each other, look at them daily, because it's your job. Mm -hmm. It's connected. But there's great joy and there's great blessing in all that. And then I was thinking about what we read yesterday, the guy who stored up riches, and Jesus says, store up treasures uh, treasures from heaven. Mm -hmm. And I was just connecting it to Deuteronomy 11 here, where it's like, um, store up in your heart the words of God. Because that's where your treasure is. That's because the God of the rain, the God of money, mm-hmm. the God of all these things is your God. Yes. There's nothing more important you can do. Hold fast. And I liked how he, he said a bunch of things, but he goes, hold fast. And I like holding fast because when you let go or you screw up, 
you can re-grab on. So like mm-hmm. you might get disconnected through your sin, but you can always hold. Hold on. Re-grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know your favorite part comes up in verse 26. Yes. And so he does, he sets up what they'll eventually actually do this, but he says like when you get into the land, you are going to get up on one mountain, which is uh, the Mount of Ebal and the Mount of Gerim, and they these mountains are Gerizim, and they stare, they look at each other. Right. And you can see one mountain from at the like when you're at one mountain, you can see the other. And okay. uh, on Ebal, they will announce curses. On uh, Gerizim, they'll announce blessings. And what's interesting is. Gerizim, the blessing mountain, is actually like a fruitful, productive mountain to this day. Wow. And Ebal is barren is a barren wasteland. That is interesting. Yeah. Maybe these are the words of God. Well, after reading that, there's the blessing and the curses. So there's it's the two sides. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you obey these commands, there's all these blessings for you. Right. But if you disobey them, you forget me, you worship other gods you are going to enter and you are going to get all the curses that those gods have for you. And I do think at this point it's worth saying God is not calling for perfection from us. Mm -hmm. He's calling for your heart so that when you realize I'm not clean, I haven't done this, he's he's saying that that your heart would be towards him, not perfection. Mm -hmm. So here's us, you know, we always want to know what's the line? How far can I go? When you start to long for another God, mm-hmm. you need to repent of that. Yeah. When you actually engage in worshiping the other God, you need to repent. There's room for you to come back. It's when you start to forget all about your God in exchange for these other gods, the curses will take root. Right. And then you're, you are cursed. And with the good news, it's always good news to somebody and bad news to somebody else. It's law and gospel. It's judgment and salvation. And so there's blessing and there's cursing. It did make me think, though, about um, how has this not become legalistic? Like, if I'm reading this and I think bad things are happening to me because I'm breaking, doing something against God's word. Have you ever felt that growing up in the church? Yes. Oh, yeah. I used to connect it like that. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I'm going, well, no, it's not. God's not punishing us when we sin and saying, oh, now everything's cursed. Right. Or is he? I don't know. Uh, Uh... I mean, I have a thought on it, if you don't. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I think Jesus actually answers this question in today's Luke reading, where um, we, we also read Job. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen in this world because this world is in the condition of brokenness. It's already cursed. It's not that we sin and then things break. Mm-hmm. We are already under a curse. Right. And so that's what's helpful to keep us from becoming legalistic or manipulating God for getting good things. No, no, no. God is the one who's extending by grace. He first acts. He's the first mover mm-hmm. in all of this, saying, I want to give you good things, but you are under death, and all you have now is curse. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what he's doing here in Israel, too. He's saying, I'm bringing you out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of cursing, and here's how you will live with me. If you reject this, you will continue to live under the curse. But it's not that bad things happen. Like, yes, you disobey God, you get what you can get on your own, basically. But there's so much grace and so much mercy. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through hard things, it's not helpful to go, God, why are you doing this to me? You can say that to him. Don't say it to anybody else because, you know, they might have to throw you out of the camp. <laughs> but 
but you can say it to him and he'll say, oh, he'll, he'll cry with you and go, I know, I don't want you to live under death. That's what I'm trying to do is save you to be with me. Um, and this is, the blessings come with, this is how you love God with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, we'll, we'll dig into it deeper in the, um, the Luke passage. Yeah. But it is interesting. I can see how people have gotten legalistic. Like, this is happening mm-hmm. because you sinned. No, bad things are happening because the world is under the curse of sin. Mm-hmm. Anything good is the grace of God, and we thank God for it. All right, chapter 12. The Lord says, when you go into these places, yeah. um, again, this is connected to the land. Mm-hmm. I've cleaned out the land of all this spiritual sewage. Mm-hmm. It's destroying the land. And I want you to, here's how you're going to worship God in the way I've taught you to worship. Because the temptation is going to be to go in and maybe use some of the ways and the means of the pagans before them. Maybe even some of their high places are already set up. They're kind of cool. Let's do it their way. Well, yeah. So like this was like a, this was like common practice actually, is when you entered into another land, you uh, learned how they worshipped. Yeah, because... And then you... Because the gods of that land yes. govern that land. And so you want to make sure, like, this is a new land. Like, gods were connected to land, like, all the time. Always. And so, like, if you entered into a new land, there's new gods. And you got to learn the new rules, and you got to make sure everything's because, cool. Because, yes, what you just connected for me, because they're going, oh, they've lived here successfully. Yes. And they've been in cooperation with the gods of these hills. Yes. Of this... And so we should tune in to kind of like the weather patterns and the Mm -hmm. soil Mm -hmm. of this earth. How are we going to survive here? Well, part of that, because I think the ancient world deeply had connected spiritual and physical. Yes. We're the ones that separate that. We've disconnected it. Oh, so that's even more of a temptation is why Mm -hmm. would we not do what... They're smart. They've already built these systems. And I think that's why um, God in the previous chapter even says, like, I've had my eye on this land. I've been the one providing rain and stuff. I've been preparing. The reason you're about to walk into a very fruitful land is because I've been making it fruitful for you. But these people have not deserved the fruitfulness of the land. So don't get confused, like, on... Yeah, don't think they did something right. Yeah. And you're doing something right. I've been preparing it, and I've been working the land for you. You're walking in, and you are going to cut down everything burn everything that they've set up for worship for these other gods. Those gods are dead. They do not have any power over this land anymore. That's pretty cool. And then he says, set up a place to eat, rejoice, enjoy God's blessing, rejoice before the land. Yeah, so I think... In a place where God chooses to be worshipped in the way that I've commanded you. It's very clear. And again, it's it's a total flip on the rest of the cultures. So the rest of the cultures, the people would identify where to meet with the gods right. and where they could best manipulate the gods. Here, God is identifying, this is where I want you to worship me. And there's going to be one central location that you guys are going to come and worship me and you're going to bring your tithes, your offerings, all that stuff. You're going to bring that to me there. And all the cultures understood the power, life force of mm-hmm. blood. And you're not going to be drinking blood, right. eating the heart of an animal, doing all that crazy stuff to transfer power. Mm-hmm. You're going to be pouring that out before me because yeah. I'm the God of life. Um, yeah, and so then he just kind of reiterates a lot of the Levitical laws and mm-hmm. says, like, remember, take care of the Levites, take care of those people. And and then he gives, like, some, like, uh, if if you live too far away from the location. Yeah, I didn't understand some of that. Like, it was, like, it was special provisions because... In the land, you could eat meat in your town as long as you took care of the Levites. Yeah, you would take it to the Levites, you would sacrifice an animal in front of the Levite, and then you would have a meal with the Levite. 
Okay, you so, and your family would have a meal with the Levite because you can't make it all the way to the tabernacle and eventually the temple. Yeah. But every three land. years, you have to at least make a trip all the way to and that central location. And then I realized he said you're allowed to take money and buy the things when you're there. Yeah, so I think... Which I didn't realize. So it wasn't a later on what people were doing. But we can come back to that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's later but on. But I did like the... Um, so he's making provisions for you to worship God. There's a priest uh-huh. there. It's just you're not at the tabernacle. Right. You're in your own new inherited land. Mm-hmm. And then um, it kind of melts into chapter 13, which is a great chapter about like test the prophets. Test anyone. Yes. So people are going to have dreams, dreamers of dreams, and they're going to say, and this is where you get um, a major theme for God's people is always test what's being said against the word of God. All right. And so if it comes to pass, and it's according, like, it's not breaking any of the words of God, cool, he might be a prophet. I don't even know if he gets into that much detail here on this one. No, he's just is talking, he's basically warning against the false prophets yeah. and against idolatry, and he's like, there will be you guys who will come along and they'll do some amazing stuff, and yeah. they'll say, see, I've done these amazing things, we should now go worship another god. Right. You don't, you don't do that. Well, he's you like kill that guy, and then he says something that sometimes the Lord will test you. Yeah, and it reminded me of phishing emails at my wife's work. Mm-hmm. They have this security, and they'll send emails trying to fish and see if the people in there. It's like a test. Yes, to, to see, see are break. you going to break the security chain? Mm-hmm. And so the idea Moses is saying, look, sometimes these guys will come, and God will. It'll get confusing because God's using them to test you. But if they start to draw you away to any other God and to any other dream or any other, you need to eradicate that person. You need to kill mm-hmm. that person. And if you have friends who are like, hey, we should start to worship the Philistine God, you need to tell on them yeah. and get it out because it is death. Yes. And you're putting everybody at risk. Um, Which is, I mean, this is uh, also in light of what just happened with um, the Midianites and the Moabites. Yeah. They just got suckered by... Uh, they couldn't be cursed. And, and there so, was a plague that went through and killed 22,000 of them because they followed some other god for a second. Because the, And the, the other god was women inviting them mm-hmm. into a, a type of worship that's right. very attractive. Right. And so it is like, again, like, let's get rid of that stuff. We take that seriously because we don't want to invite any of those curses onto ourselves. Yeah. And that's what we're doing when we... Uh, Bind ourselves to other people yeah, and their gods. Exactly. So... Chapter 14 is, you are, um, you're not going to act like the Canaanites. You're mm-hmm. not going to mark your bodies up with symbols of other deities. You're not going to mourn and pull out your hair and get pity and be like these people. You're, mm-hmm. We're not animals. Right. Basically. Yeah. You're the, you are my treasured possession. Yeah. You're not going to ruin your bodies. Dude, God says we are his treasured possession so much in Mm -hmm. the book of Deuteronomy. I can't believe these (laughs) aren't the verses that are plastered all over pillows and pieces of wood at Hobby Lobby. I mean, no one's quoting Deuteronomy except Jesus. Mm. It's curious. I'm going to change all that. Um, Anything else? This is about the tithe. Well, yeah, this is about like what you can eat and what you can't. And again, there's just clean animals and unclean animals. Most of the... Unclean, like especially with the birds, are like carrion yes. birds. Things that anything that would eat dead stuff. It's yeah, like, it's so smart. It's like no, we're not going to eat things that eat other dead things. Like, yeah, like the vultures and things. Yeah. And um, um, and then and just like them, 
you won't eat anything that just dies naturally. You're mm. going to only eat things that you can kill and that are fresh because we just... It's, like, a very smart, but then it's also, like, we're distancing ourselves from the other nations that are around us, and it's another way to be, like, you're different, you're set apart, and you don't act like them. And I also think it's a way of saying you aren't going to be a scavenger. Right. You have a father that feeds you. Mm-hmm. Don't eat food you find. Yes. And don't eat these animals. They drink all the water that's runoff from the chemicals in the lawns of the neighborhood. <laughs> like, we don't kill squirrels in the neighborhood and eat right. them. Right. Okay? It is loving. And then... Yes. Yeah. Also, I think it's uh, keeping God. God's keeping His people from being cruel, and just killing everything. Right. Anything that they perceive they can eat. Like no, no, no. There are things that are for. I don't know. There's just a yeah. lot of good to it. Um, it makes sense. And then and it sets them apart. Another testimony. Yeah. Like man, they're never eating this. Yeah. Like rat. Right. They're they're different. Yeah. And then he goes into tithing. Yeah. And this, I know, I know, I at least read it last year, but it feels like I've never read this before. Oh, really? Uh, I remember everything I read, man. Good, good for you. I'm so glad. Uh, so he's talking about tithing, and he's t- and he's again addressing like, you're not always going to be able to take your fresh produce mm-hmm. and take it to the temple or take it to the tabernacle because it's like a month away. Like, it's a month's journey. Right. And so it's not going to be fresh or nice by the time you get there. So you can exchange it for money, and you can bring that money to the tabernacle or the temple. Right. And then when you get there, then you can buy... And this is what's fascinating. This is actually in the Bible. This is amazing. He says, um, You shall turn it into money, bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that your Lord, the Lord your God chooses to worship. And spend the money for whatever you desire oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. Like, So what's that? Why is that exciting to you? Because like, I feel like growing up in Christian culture, like a lot of the stuff is like your appetites are bad, your desires are bad, and like there's things that you can't want like you can't want or need it just leads to gluttony or bad things and here god's like part of the sacrifice part of the tithing and offerings is buy what you like buy what you love and then have a meal in front of god yeah and rejoice i'm like what well it's so good but that's like what paul says give he's talking about giving and offering hilariously like from this joy and i'm realizing in deuteronomy we're creating places of worship that are for rejoicing. Yes. That's what the meal, rejoice. You have peace with your God. Yeah. And your God is all powerful. And you get to have an amazing feast and a meal yeah. that you probably don't get all the, like, all the time. And then I love, because then later, a little down, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithes of your produce yeah. and lay it within your towns. And you have a giant meal and barbecue with the Levites of your town, the orphans, and the widows. And the sojourners. And the so yes. Like the immigrants. Yeah, you're right. And and you just have a giant barbecue, your whole town comes out, you provide for everyone, and you eat and praise God. Because God shares with us of his abundance, and now we share with the world of our abundance because he is our God. Yeah. Man, I love it. Old I, hope, I hope our listeners here can appreciate 
I hope you can hear the rain uh, falling. It's really great. It's really Matt great. Matt and I have just built an ark. And um, <laughs> the fact that you're listening to this means you've made it. Good job. <laughs> we did not get animals. <laughs> All right, let's move to the New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through chapter 13, verse 30. You must be ready. I know. Are you ready to go? Let's go. Stay dressed for action. Let me get my shoes on. Where are my shoes? Keep your lamps burning. I know. I know. I know. I need to do all these things. What is he talking about? Seriously. Like, Seriously. This, what is he talking this about? This took me <laughs> a, a hot second to like work through because this is one of those passages that all of a sudden I just start feeling like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh. I'm super guilty. I, I don't exactly know what he's talking about, but I feel bad. Yeah. Like, and as I read through it, and as I just read through Deuteronomy, yes, and recognizing he's dealing with where your heart is. And he's dealing with, in this one I thought he's dealing with leaders. He's dealing with leaders, and he's dealing with hearts. Yes. And he's saying, he sets up this scenario, this parable, where... The servants, like leaders of the church, the servants are put in charge of the household because the master's gone away for a wedding or some party, mm-hmm. and weddings uh, of that time could go on for an indeterminate amount of time, so you just never know yeah. when the master's going to come home. And so... It's so cool. They had some things right back then, you know? Just party. Yeah, just party. It's like, amazing. it's a big deal. Yeah. And so... The he's saying, be ready for the master to return. Like, long for the return of your master. Like, where's your heart? Are you, are you looking forward to your master coming back? And you're able to like be like, man, I'm so glad you're back. And here's all the things that we've done for the house and we've kept it in order. And yeah. And then, um, or are you? Is your heart going? Are you like secretly waiting for the master to be gone so that you can, like, do whatever you want, abuse the servants, um eat all the food, get drunk, like just completely be abusive of your power. So I think if we're following Luke, he just got through to the disciples, don't be anxious, Mm -hmm. the rich fool, but it all starts with the leaven of the Pharisees who are abusing their power. So the way I was reading it was be ready, which means you've been, and the disciples are, and and us, Mm -hmm. we've been given responsibilities here. We've been given faith. We've been given people to love and things to do. And he's like, you don't know when the master's coming back. Now, the Pharisees were abusing their power as if they were the ones who had all the power. And they were going to abuse it because they weren't planning, especially the Sadducees. No one's Mm -hmm. planning on Jesus coming back or anybody coming to stop them. They are the power. Right. And so the way I got it was, um, it was, and I had to think about it for a while, but it's, if you're a leader or you're a person who carries the spirit of God, you need to faithfully discharge your duties, whether you're being watched by God or not. Mm-hmm. You perceive you are or not because he is watching you. You need to, um, it made me think too, like our master, Jesus, was a humble servant. Mm-hmm. And so a servant is not greater than his master. We are humble servants and humble servants. And I want to be faithful to whatever God gives me until my master, my humble servant comes back. You're right. Exactly. And so he's looking at your heart. I'm not perfect mess it up but that's what we need to aspire back to like he will know and see your faithfulness and so and the other 
idea he slips in there is like uh, the idea of a thief coming at an unknown hour. Yeah. And so the two options that the servant needs to be ready for is when the master comes home or if a thief enters. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that too, like within our own lives, like Satan can enter in at any moment and we have to be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're caught off guard, he'll get you. Yeah. And so it's just, again, like the life and the rhythm of a servant of God is we are eagerly awaiting the, our master to return and we're on the lookout yeah. to protect. I, I think the way I'm, I'm interpreting, cause you said, what did you just say? Like, look out, he'll get you. Mm-hmm. I was thinking basically it's don't leave the keys in the car running right. parked on the street. Right. Like, it's, it's not even hard. It's mm-hmm. just lock the doors, shut the windows, turn off things that could cause fires. Like, don't flaunt, don't put money in your window and be mm-hmm. like, I don't know where to store my money, thief. Hey, thief, mm-hmm. check how much I have. Like, don't be stupid. Right. It's cool. And then there's a little line that says, the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Right. So now let's mix with Deuteronomy, the people who say they know the day and the hour they are in direct um, conflict with Jesus, who says, no one knows the time. Mm-hmm. But then they follow what he says next. Jesus will talk about, I don't know, oh, that's, in a, we'll get there. But Jesus does talk about interpreting the times, but not interpreting the hour and the day. He's talking about understanding that he's there. But anyway, we'll get to that. So there's a little, uh, a little interesting blurb here in Luke 12, 49 through 53, which says Jesus quite honestly and literally says, I, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it already be, uh, would it were already kindled. Mm-hmm. And so then he explains this is his baptism. So Jesus is well aware of his death. He's going to die. Yes. But then says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. And so you're reading that going, wait, I don't think I understand this. But then he goes on, and it's even worse than you think. <laughs> because you might first think, oh, yeah, there's going to be a division between the Jews and the Romans mm-hmm. and the rest of the Gentile dog population. Yes. But then Jesus corrects their false assumption and says between families, mm-hmm. brother and sister, mom and son, mom and daughter, dad and daughter. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to bring division. So, and then that's it. <laughs> like, good luck. Okay. Any thoughts? So I was thinking about this, um, where he says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and he wishes that it was already burning. And I think we instantly go to, like, wait, he wants to, like, destroy the world. I thought he was the gospel giver, not the lawgiver. Exactly. And so John says, Mm -hmm. I baptize you with water, but someone's coming who's greater than I am who will baptize you with fire. There it is. And the fire is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does bring judgment or salvation. If you receive the Holy Spirit, you have salvation. But if you reject the Holy Spirit... The unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin, which is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, saying, I don't want anything to do with it. Calling him evil. Calling the Holy Spirit evil. uh, That is a fire that will consume you. That's the fire of God that will consume you. Purifies and burns off the, the... and, and so Jesus's death that he's dreading and just wants it to be over with yeah. says that. I mean, that was an amazing, honest moment. Yeah, and that's his human nature. He's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But I love you. But I, 
that my death and resurrection is going to bring the fire of the Holy Spirit to the earth, and it is going to either bring judgment or salvation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it will divide families because it'll judge part of your family and it'll save the other part. Yep. And you will be at war with one another because some of them will be burning up because of the Holy Spirit and some of them will be actually living. I do think, too, he says there's no middle ground. You're mm-hmm. either for him or against him. Yes. And then I was thinking, too, that we all expect, even my response is expecting Jesus to bring earthly peace, mm-hmm. like a physical earthly peace right now. Right. And so this reminds us, Jesus Christ is bringing peace between God and man. He's fixing the heart. Right. He's fixing the inside first. And then the peace on, that flows from that heart to the outside of the world, that's got to be a work of God that takes place at the end of all things when he's changed all hearts. Mm-hmm. And so it is funny. It's just we actually, I think, approach it from a physical, from the outside in. So when we hear Jesus say, I come to bring division, we either don't want to ever read that or we can't understand it because we're not thinking in terms of what he's actually doing, which is securing peace between us and the God of the universe between his children and the God of the universe. Yeah. And this kind of lines up with Deuteronomy. Oh, yeah. Where 100. They're not going into the day land to make peace with the other people. Right. Like, they did not receive the Holy Spirit. They had 400 years to get their stuff together. And look and say, that's the real God. Yes. And, okay. and they didn't. And so then there's not peace between the Israelites and the Canaanites. But we will see God's grace even there, like for people like uh, Rahab. Yeah, we'll see that. We'll see people convert Mm -hmm. because he's gracious and loving and kind. But you're right. So Christ is right in line with the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. He's right in line with who he is, who he said he is. And then he turns to the crowds and says, look, you understand weather. Like you can hear the rain and the thunder. Mm -hmm. You understand you see a cloud. It's going to rain. You understand you can kind of interpret the times. Yeah. And so again... He's referencing like the issue of Jesus of coming back and judgment. But here it makes it sound like this is where I think the guys who say, I know the day God's coming back. Oh, really? They use these types oh, of passages. Yeah. Like they say, Oh, yeah, Jesus says, uh, approaching heat, and it happens. The, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And so they'll say, Oh, yeah, we can interpret. Like, look at the, the state of the world. It's the end times. But Jesus is saying, you know how to interpret so many things. Why can't you see that the Son of God is visiting you right now? Right. Like, yes. And for them to even be talking about a day when the judge comes mm-hmm. and it's all over. Like, Jesus, no one's really even asking that. Mm-hmm. The original audience isn't saying, when is God coming back to judge the world and do everything? They're not mm-hmm. even thinking that. They're th- they're having to deal with the Son of God coming the first time. And so they should be putting all the clues together saying, oh, the Son of God is here. Right. He releases captives from their sins. He heals the blind, raises the dead. Uh, maybe it's fall. Leaves are falling. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's spring. Things are growing. Like, put it together. It has, But it has nothing to do with... In fact, the only thing that Jesus has said about when he's returning is you will not know the time or the hour. Mm-hmm. But since my death and resurrection, put it together, it could be any time. Also, yeah, I'm here with you now, yeah. and you can't, you don't see what's happening. Right. And that's the other thing. I will say, whenever you hear or you get excited, like, oh, it's the end times, and this guy said he's coming back on some certain date in May, why does your heart long for that so long? 
I mean, so much. You have to ask, like, why do I want to know the day? What will that change? Christ is with you now. Your hope will, you know, be, will come to a physical reality one day. But what does it change? And that day comes and goes. Or what if the day comes? What are you going to do? I hope you plant a tree and, and be fruitful and multiply. I mean, I don't know. We just have the assurance that Christ is with us now. So always trust in that. And then he has this, uh, he continues on yeah. with it going like, uh, why you need to make yourselves right, the accusers here. Right. <laughs> and before he goes to the magistrate, settle your debts. Well, and this is what's weird. I feel like I just, now I'm going against myself, but Jesus does say there is a day of judgment coming. Yeah. But. And like, make sure you're on the right side of things. Like, I will forgive you. But the door is wide open right now. I will forgive you. Settle your accounts now. Don't let it go to the judge. He'll put you yeah. in prison. Yeah. I've come here and I will forgive you. And it'll be too late if you wait. If you mm-hmm. take it all the way to court, it'll be too late. So then chapter, I think that's good. Chapter 13? Yep. Chapter 13. Well, this is our passage that it, it unties a legalistic approach to bad things happening because I'm bad, good mm-hmm. things happening because I'm good. Quite honestly, there's something that I don't know anything about and I haven't done enough research, but it says there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And so there's some question. I don't know if you read anything else about it, or but something Pilate, uh, uh, Pilate did that was atrocious. Yeah, there's awful. no like real recorded event, event on that would... Uh, point to this, but there are tons of events uh, of recorded of, of Pilate, and he did. He was actually a really harsh guy. Like yeah. he seems actually kind of weak, or he seems kind of reasonable. Reasonable, even though he washes his hands like an idiot. In uh, yeah, he seems kind of like weak-willed or reasonable yeah. in the Gospels, but he was a really uh, was a tyrant. Yeah, he he was he was not messing around, and he did some hardcore stuff to the Jews. Like any. Any types of rebellions, like he treated insurrectionists like with a heavy hand. Yeah. Like, well, he, he actually ended up losing his position because he ended up killing, like slaughtering a ton of Samaritans oh. because of a little rebellion. I also know he killed several of his kids, probably from his no, harem. No, 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 that was Herod. Oh, Herod. Herod Thanks. did that, not Pilate. Well, not Pilate was a bad dude. Yeah. But then Jesus lumps in this event with uh, another event of a wall, a tower in Siloam fell and killed people. So it's like he's lumping in an act of violence, mm-hmm. almost an act of terror from Pilate, and with a natural disaster of this, of this tower falling. And Jesus asked the question, on those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So Jesus says bad things happen, right. not because they were worse people, but because you live in and under the condition of death mm-hmm. and sin and corruption. So bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And the only way out, the only way to make these bad things not eternal is to repent and trust. So like, in other words, I was thinking when these awful things happen to us or to our world, we have school shootings, it ought to make us think about our lives 
and their opportunities, they're awful and we don't love them and their brokenness. But don't think that God's punishing someone or God's doing. This is the world we live in. He's coming in and saying, look mm-hmm. at these events to um, direct your thoughts then to the end of your life and repent and say, God, have mercy. I can't control a tower falling on me. I can't mm-hmm. control a, a storm. I can't control the mental illness of another person who decides to mix our blood with some delusion they have. And so I, I think that's the point of uh, God allows tragedies, not because he's cruel or anything, but he's like, look, there's a bigger tragedy that's awaiting everybody at death. Repent now. Right. And let these things move you towards repentance. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and then we get the an interesting parable. I think this is unique to Luke. Uh, the parable of the barren fig tree. Yeah. And so you have a man who owns a fig tree. He goes out to seek fruit on it. And he's done this for three years and there's been no fruit. And so he tells the vine dresser, just dig it up. It's wasting space. Dig it up. And the vine dresser says, sir, let's wait one more year. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to plant manure around it. We're gonna see. We're gonna give it one more year to see if it shows fruit. And that's how it and ends. And then he's like, and then if it doesn't, and the next year, then well and good. Or if it does, well and good. And if it does not, you can cut it down. And the end. The end. And so I think the thing I was thinking of is the owner's God. Yes. Yes. And the vine dresser is Jesus. Right. I was thinking Moses. Or Moses, the Jesus. intercessor, yeah. or even like a, a pastor. Right. Anyone who intercedes for a group of people through prayer, ultimately Jesus. But you have God who's like, all right, I've given it three years. Let's get rid of it. And then the intercessor going, I'm going to work on it one more year. And just like, we're going to give it another year, right? another year of mercy to see if it will finally produce fruit. And again, he's like speaking to, I also see this as Jesus. Jesus had three years of ministry, right? Right. He had three years of ministry. He, it's like, they're not responding. Let's cut it down. But then it's like, no, let's give them an ex- extended time just to see, just to see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. That was kind of a thing. I yeah, was, no, I, I agree with you. I do feel like even in ministry, it's like, oh, I want to, I'm not seeing enough fruit. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's and it, just saying, Lord, I want, I pray that you'd bless mm-hmm this i know it hasn't produced fruit or people are are difficult i'm difficult there is a interceding i think that's what he's talking about yeah but then there's a time in other gospels where jesus does just curse the fig tree yeah it's done which again is like it's what they say in parenting consistency (laughs) like you got to do what you say you're going to do and if there wasn't a hard edge to it it wouldn't there wouldn't be an awesome edge to it (laughs) Okay, last, is this the last one for today? Uh, no, we got a little, couple more here. Oh, wow. Okay, That's we got right. a woman with a disabling spirit. She's bent over, can't walk for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Jesus sees her on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And this is one of the few that she doesn't ask. No, It's not just, recorded that she asks. He, he calls just, her over, and he frees her. And he says, pro- you've been freed from your disability. Yeah. And she is made straight. She glorifies God. He touches her. The, the rulers of the synagogue all of a sudden get really angry because yeah. Jesus is always doing this. The ruler of the synagogue actually says this statement. I know. There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. 
he's literally telling people, don't come here to get healed on the Sabbath day. Right. Like, what are we supposed to come here right. for? And so I love Jesus' response because I kind of feel like he set this up. Yeah. Like, he knew what the reaction was going to be, and he set it up. Well, he set it up because he's not breaking the laws of God. No. See, that's, I used to read this he's as He's breaking their traditions. And be like, why did God break the law? The law must not matter. No, he's breaking their traditions. Yes. And so he says, you hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? I know. I love that. Like, you unleash your animals to give them water on the Sabbath. Yeah. Am I not allowed to unleash a daughter of Abraham? And all the people rejoice at this. Yes. And everyone's, and his adversaries were put to shame. Like, boom. The Sabbath is made to be, to free people. Right. From their bondage. Well, and what's what are you doing on the Sabbath at at the synagogue anyway? You're being spiritually fed and restored. Restored. You're resting from a hard, like week of labor, working the land, like getting out of the sun. And so healing is a physical sitting down. It's a physical manifestation of the spiritual reality that's happening there. It's becoming a physical reality. Yeah. And so uh, that's a great. The again, Sabbath was made to set you free from bondage. And it's a little different from Luke. He's not, I don't feel like Luke's not trying to prove his authority or prove his power. It's like he's actually, I think Luke is showing here just how much more sense Jesus makes. Mm -hmm. Like it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. This is totally reasonable. So now we come to this interesting thing. So I feel like this whole story arc, this whole passage area was started with beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Yes. And now he's talking about the leaven of the gospel. Yes. And he ends it with this. Both powerful things are very small. Yes. They're very small. What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made their nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And so now he's flipping it. And going, this is the kingdom of God. It'll start off very small, and it'll look like it's dead or defeated, but it'll grow and grow until it's everywhere. Yeah, he, God extends it in his own way, in his own timing, and that's frustrating for us mm-hmm. because I want ministry to blow up and just be amazing and big and powerful, but God's like, I have a timing, and I have a way of doing it, and your call is to focus on God mm-hmm. and trust the same way sin works. A little leaven, well, the same way for the gospel. A little, a little small seed can produce something amazing, even 12 baskets of leftover. And then we finally have the, uh, the final thought in verse 22. Yes. As he's journeying towards Jerusalem, he's on his march towards Jerusalem, uh, someone asks him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Yeah, what a weird question. Like, are you just going to save a few of us? Or are you going to save all of us? Because I think he hears this mustard seed yeah. comment and that kind of teaching. And he's going like, wait, so is it going to just be a few? And it's always a question for people. How many people are going to be saved? Who's in? Who's out? Yeah. And so Jesus doesn't answer no. how many. He answers how. Yes, exactly. Which is always the answer. How many people do you think are going to be saved? We don't know. We don't, 
we aren't concerned with that. That's not for us to know. We just know how one is saved. Yes. I love that. That's good, man. Yes. And so he, he says, the door is narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the door is narrow because there's one way. Yeah. It's one door. And it's through Jesus Christ. Well, I was thinking, I used to always think the door is narrow means it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like the path is really narrow and steep and all. It's like, no, it's just narrow. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. Like I've walked through narrow places. You just turn your body sideways and go. And if you try to go f- straight up and not turn sideways, well, yeah, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So you got to like bend your will to the door. Yeah, I mean, just, and he's like, go through the door. Go through me. I'm, I'm here. And go through it before it's all done, before it's all shut up, before your life ends. That's go it. Go through it. And because he's like, and I realized I read this for the first time as him actually talking about the people in the crowd. Yes. The people who are standing there, when they show up and, like, when they die and they show up before God and they say, Lord, let us in. We ate with you. We, we met you in the marketplace. We heard you talk. We saw you. We did everything with you. Like, people who are actually seeing Jesus, like, seeing Jesus in heaven going, wait, 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 I know you. Let me in. And Jesus says, no, I, I don't know who you are, though. You never followed me in life. Why would you follow me in death? Bummer. But then what I hear Jesus in this passage saying is, the way is narrow, but come in while the door is open. Mm-hmm. And the door is open right now. And then he lands with... And people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Come in while the door is open. Even the Gentiles will get in. Yep. Everyone from the whole world will get in this door. Oof, covered a lot today. Let's go into, uh, we got Psalm 43, or Proverbs 9. 1 through 12, and I have a feeling you're going to be reading from Proverbs 9 today. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you on day 102.